Tonight we are not going to be dealing specifically with prophecy. Um, last Sunday night we looked at the, the judgments that will come during the tribulation period. The three sets of judgments that come. And um, tonight, kind of tying in with understanding the people that will be experiencing those judgments are the lost people that enter the tribulation period. And tying in with our missions emphasis um, this month, we want to look at a portrait of the lost. Let's say tonight that as you are on your way home, you you look ahead and you you think that you see someone in the road. And as you get closer, you slow down, and sure enough, there's someone in the road just kind of stumbling along and and not really going from one side of the shoulder over to the other and trying to stay in the middle. And you think, what in the world is this guy doing? And you may naturally come to the conclusion, this this guy is drunk. What what is What is he doing out here? So you stop and you try to help him, and you come to find out this man is drunk completely and totally blind, and he has lost his way. You would be a heartless heartless, um, piece of dirt if you just moved him to the side of the road and said, you better stay off the road, and went on your way. Anyone with any heart of compassion would seek to help him, would seek to find where he belongs, would seek to get him where he belongs, and and be of assistance. And yet, we go through our life and we fail to see the people that are around us, and we fail to have compassion. And throughout the Bible, God gives us many, many pictures. We're going to... Um, look at ten characteristics that God gives us, and there are many others that God gives us regarding the lost. But you notice, if you'd look in Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, I'll begin reading. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. And he's making reference in the previous chapters that we have been recipients of God's mercy. We are given the ministry of reconciliation. So we have received this ministry. We faint not in it, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, 
Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here... God recorded through Paul this message to the believers at Corinth, and he encouraged them in, in verse 2 of this chapter um, to have the character of their life, a Christian character, not handling the Word of God deceitfully, not walking in craftiness or deceitfully, but, but commending yourselves to every man's conscience. And then he says in verse 3, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. How many of you have ever had a time in your life where you really were lost? Okay, a number of you have, all right? Now, there's one thing about being lost in... in a vehicle and you're lost and you don't know... Do I turn right or do I turn left or it seems like we're going the right way and yet you're not getting where you think you're going. There's another thing of being lost out in the wilderness somewhere. Have any of you ever been lost in a, in a mountain somewhere or out in, a, out in the wilderness? That gives a whole nother sense of being lost. When, when you are out there and you were sure that um, you just walked down this little canyon and you'd be back to base and you walk down the canyon and it's like, whoa, this isn't, I don't recognize being here. And you see all of that and it's like, Immediately, things start happening in your body. There starts coming some, wait a minute here, and and it's easy for panic to set in. And to understand, um, having read extreme stories of individuals, I've been lost a couple times in mountainous areas, and thankfully it wasn't the extreme situations, but... When people get lost, it's easy to panic. It's easy for them to not think clearly. Now, one of the characteristics that God said about people without Christ is that they are lost. They don't know where they're going. I want you to think about people that you know tonight. You may work with them. You may live next door to them. They may be family members, whatever it is. And, you know, sad to say many times we have a wrong attitude toward them. We, we have an attitude, how can they do such things? And they're not, they're a worthless piece of trash. And, and we, need to, we need to learn to see them as God does. And God sees them as lost. I mean, uh, wandering. And, and in this same passage, he said, If our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded their minds, 
God uses on several occasions this term, they are blinded or they are blind. They cannot see from a proper perspective. I mean, we talk about, uh, at times, common sense. And, and sometimes we fail to realize this isn't so much common sense. This is God has opened our eyes that we're able to see. And there are many people that are completely lost and they are blinded. They cannot see these things. The biblical principles are unknown to them. They, they don't know them. They're blinded to them. The God of this world, this is spiritual warfare that is going on. And, and understand, um, no wonder they're stumbling into some of the things they stumble in. They're blind. They don't see the dangers of, of the things that they're going in. So he uses, they are lost. They are blind. They are shepherdless. Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 9, his heart was broken as he looked upon the multitudes and he said they wander about as sheep having no shepherd. You think about, um, we, we aren't familiar with, with sheep in the sense of a biblical shepherding, but the shepherd's job was to take the sheep out, to protect the sheep during the day from, from predators and from dangers of falling into holes and ditches and so on. And Jesus looked out on the multitudes and he was moved with compassion because they wandered about as sheep having no shepherd. Wandering sheep with a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. I mean, this is a, a recipe for disaster. And that's what we have in our world today. I mean, we sometimes think people should know better. No, they, they have no shepherd. They are blind. They are lost. They shepherdless. They have no one to turn to. They have no place to go for a refuge. Turn to Acts chapter 26. If if you have known the Lord for any length of time, it is so easy for us to take so many things for granted. And it's this aspect that we'll never be alone. The Lord is my shepherd. That is one of the most familiar psalms that is used at funerals and so on. The reality is that psalm does not apply to the vast majority of people. Because the Lord is not shepherding unless you are a member of his flock. And the reality is that um, understanding what it would be like in this world with, with no sense of direction or protection or leading or provision, all the things that a shepherd does. He leads, he feeds, he protects, he nourishes us back to health. 
The Lord is my shepherd. What comfort there is in that. But the lost are shepherdless. And then the lost are in darkness. Notice Acts 26 verse 18. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. How many of you have been, usually it's in a cave somewhere, and they turn out any source of light to show you what real darkness is? How many of you have been in there? Okay. They tell us in that sense of real darkness that, that you can even get to the point where you're not able to keep your balance if you're, if you're in that long enough let alone your bearings as to which direction. I mean, in the, in the sense of darkness, we are always drawn to even a little flicker of light. But the lost, I mean, he just adds terms on that, that show the hopelessness and helplessness. Lost and blind and shepherdless and in darkness. I mean, complete darkness. That the song, send the light. That's our job. That's what God's called us to do. But too often we we curse the darkness. The the darkness is not to be cursed, it's to be exposed and chased away by the light. And the reality of Understanding, oh, I, I understand. It ought to be move us to compassion that they are in the dark. They cannot find their way. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3 also tells us that they are deceived. For we ourselves, he's writing to Titus and reminding him, we ourselves were sometimes foolish and disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Deceived. The lost is deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures. This is what will make me happy. And many people spend their life going through their life deceived. Oh, this will make me happy. This will bring fulfillment. If it's not, if it's not pleasures, it will be in false religions and false practices. In some, they're just deceived in thinking this is what life is all about. You work so you can party, so you can recover, so you can go back to work, so that you can party. Any of you know anybody? Any of you been there? And that's the way it's been in the past. I mean, and honestly, many, many people think that's what there is to life. That is the purpose of life. I said they think that's what the purpose of life. Let me make another statement. Seriously, they don't think about what the purpose of life is. We would be amazed at the loss. They don't want to think about this. They don't want to think about life. 
They don't want to think about the purpose. They don't want to answer the four questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? How do I determine right and wrong? And where am I going? That's why you're seeing more and more people that they do not want to have any type of service when they die or when their parents die or relatives because they don't even want to think about death. They don't even want to think about what might be after here. And the more pagan our society becomes, the more that will become a reality. And you're seeing that more and more, right, Dave? And the reality is that we don't like to think about life and we're deceived into thinking, if I don't think about it, it will go away. It won't happen. I remember years and years ago, Dr. Glenn Jasper said, just because you don't believe in hell doesn't mean God sends the fire trucks of heaven out to extinguish it. And many, many people don't even want to think about it, and they're deceived, and we need to understand um, those people that, that we know and love, many, many times, it's purely because they're deceived. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, another characteristic that God gives us of the lost. We're all familiar with John 3.16. John 3.17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Notice verse 36 of the same chapter. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The portrait of the lost, the sixth thing is that they are condemned already. How many of you have heard people say, um, I don't see how... God could condemn anyone to hell. How many of you have ever heard that? All right. Notice verse 17. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world was already condemned. Every lost person, when we're born into this world, we're born in sin. As we've said over and over again, you never have to teach a kid to sin. You never have to teach him to pout, lie, be selfish. You never have to teach that. We're born sinners, and because of that, we're condemned already. And every person is not going to be condemned. They're condemned already. Thankfully, the good news, God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth not in him is condemned already. It's not the judgment will come. The judgment, it's already pronounced guilty. Thankfully, there is the message of pardon that can be received in Jesus Christ. 
But understand, they already, every person, before we trusted Christ as Savior, we were condemned already. Judgment is already pronounced. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah chapter 57. And notice verse 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. A lost person, a person without Christ, has no peace. It doesn't matter how much fame they have. It doesn't matter if they are the epitome of health. It doesn't matter if they have all the money in the world. They are like a troubled sea which has no rest. It is continually tossing and turning and churning. And there is no peace under the wicked. And don't be deceived. We live in a world that wants to put on the facade of peace. Like, hey, I'm cool. Everything's good in my life. Everything's going good. No. Without Christ, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they have. There is no peace in their soul. God made us a living soul. And our soul will have no rest until it knows it has peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the only place you get peace. And you may look at someone and and they may, wow, they seem so confident and they have it all together and it's just a wonderful, they, man, they have it together. If they don't know Christ, any person that doesn't know Christ has no peace. That isn't what we said, that's what God said. And he said it over and over again. And it's realizing this, that as a Christian, you have what can give them peace? We live in a we live in a society that is epidemic in in drug use, legal drug use, and illegal drug use. And why? Seeking for peace, seeking for peace of mind. There is no peace apart from Jesus Christ. And because of that. They are without hope. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let Let me just give you the last three things here. They are without hope. They are dead because they are without Christ. And and I want to look at these from Ephesians chapter 2. And, and I want you to see how this is brought out. He's writing to the believers at Ephesus, and he said, You hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. They were powerless. They had no power in and of themselves to do righteousness. They were dead. 
It doesn't matter what kind of motivational speech you give to them. It doesn't matter how you you challenge them. It doesn't matter what you do. They are dead. They have no power. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were in bondage to sin. No power to break the sin. You hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sin, wherein in time past ye walk according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now, that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or behavior in times past. See, this is, again, he's given a breakdown of the lost. Living in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So, we say things are getting so much worse and and the evil that is just prevalent everywhere. Well, in our nation, our nation has been blessed through the years with the Judeo-Christian value system. That value system has passed on a standard of morals that was the standard and was expected behavior. Even expected behavior for people that had nothing to do with Christ. The further we get away from God, the further we get away from this um, accepted standard of Judeo-Christian ethics... So that now, uh, the language, the pictures, the uh, mentality is far removed from that. And it's always been in the heart of man, but now it's much more readily accepted. Living in the desires of the flesh and of the mind were by nature the children of wrath. But, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins. There's that term again. Dead in our sins hath quickened us together with Christ, for by grace are you saved. It wasn't wasn't our saving ourselves. It was by grace we are saved. And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember... That ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. Now notice verse 12. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in this world. Have We were apart from Christ. Being aliens, we were without Christ, aliens from his covenants, having no hope without God in this world. But now, he says, you are in Christ Jesus, 
Ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So notice the terms he used. You were without hope. You were without Christ. Without Christ means without hope. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. We know from the Scripture, it tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, this is a faithful saying that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. We, um, if, if you paid attention at um, the inauguration, at the inauguration, it was read from 1 Timothy chapter 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there, all of this was read at the inauguration. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Notice what he said. Christ came to save. He's not willing that any should perish. We can't save them, but we can show them the Savior. And that's why he's left us here. That's the mission, to show them the character and the nature of God, that he is able to open blind eyes, that he is able to lead, that he is desirous of shepherding us, that he alone gives us hope. And that's why he's left us here. There are people that you know and love that are all ten of those characteristics tonight because they are without Christ. And it is a much more pathetic picture than a blind man walking on a freeway in Des Moines. It is a blind man stumbling and falling toward eternity apart from Christ. And only Christ can give sight. Only Christ can give hope. Only Christ can bring healing. And if you are a child of God tonight, understand that every day you come in contact with people. And this is how God sees them with a heart of compassion. We must bring the light of the gospel to the darkness. That is, as we mentioned this morning, that is the only hope. That's the purpose of missions, to bring the light of the gospel. And so we ask ourselves, what am I doing to do that? Who am I even praying for that I know is without Christ? Who do I pray for that, that they would come to see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and give them life? and hope, and peace, and deliver them from the power of darkness to the kingdom of the inheritance of his Son. And then, who am I not only praying for, 
who am I seeking to develop relationships with, seeking to share Christ with? How am I about the Father's business? Heavenly Father, only your Spirit can give us the heart that you have toward the lost. And Lord, I cannot thank you enough tonight for your heart, for the lost that saw me in my deadness and my arrogance and pride and rebellion and self-willed and bankrupt morally and spiritually. And yet, Lord, you sent your Son to give the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to bring us to a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that we truly would be moved with compassion. And Lord, this is a work only your Spirit can do. These feeble words tonight won't even scratch the surface. Lord, it must be a work of your Spirit in our hearts. And I know you desire to do that. And so, Lord, I pray that you would would find in our hearts a desire. Lord, use me in your harvest field. Lord, may I be an instrument that is used of you for your glory. And God, I pray that we would have burdened hearts for individuals that you have brought into our lives. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, tonight you're here and you'd say,